Is a complex task really complex? Validating the Assumption of Cognitive Task Complexity. This article by Shoko Sasayama in the Modern Language Journal is what we'll be delving into today. To start off, we first have to ask, of course, the question, what is a task? Now, a task can have many different definitions. But what we're looking for specifically is a task in the context of ESL, English learning as a second language. In order to do that, we'll be looking at the book, Task-Based Language Learning and Teaching by Rod Ellis, written back in 2003. This will give us the information we need to be able to define a task in the context of ESL and then move forward with the article. So what is a task? Now, in general, a task is an activity, something that requires the learner to be able to come up with a solution or an outcome and produce their own information. For example, having a learner, an English learner, summarize what they've read out of a chapter in a book. Of course, the learner has to read the chapter, but then they have to come up with their own summary, a summary in their own words. Having that sort of outcome is a task. Now, let's use what Rod Ellis defined as criteria to define a task. First, a task is a work plan, meaning that there is a plan laid out, whether by teaching materials or some other means, for that task to be given to the student. Second, a task involves a primary focus on meaning. Now, this comes into play with the aspect of meaning versus form-based instruction. When we talk about form-based instruction, we talk about grammar, sentence structure, and focus specifically on the details of what makes a sentence a sentence. When we're talking about meaning, however, we don't talk about the grammar or the vocabulary or the pronunciation as we might with form. With meaning-based instruction or meaning-based learning, we focus primarily on what the student is trying to say and how effectively do they get their point across. So when the second point says that a task involves a primary focus on meaning, what it's really saying is that a task focuses on a student's ability to get whatever is in their head out effectively. The third criteria for a task is that a task involves real-world processes of language use, meaning we're not just focusing on classroom theory. When we are doing a task, we're trying to get the student to use language in real-world examples, whether it's interacting with other students, asking questions, answering questions, or getting over misunderstandings, as well as other examples as well. But the main focus is to get them to use language in real-life examples. The fourth criteria is that a task can involve any of the four language skills, whether it's listening or reading a text and displaying understanding, producing oral or written text, or employing a combination of receptive and productive skills, meaning listening and speaking, in the sort of a dialogue type of situation. The fifth criteria is that a task engages cognitive processes, 
it makes the learner think, whether this is by using classifying, selecting, order, reasoning, or evaluation. All of these aspects and more could be used to make a task effective by making the learner actually think and use input as well as output to get a point or finish the task effectively. And lastly, a task has a clearly defined communicative outcome, meaning the plan and the outcome of what the task is supposed to have is clearly laid out for the student and they clearly understand it and try to reach it effectively. The goal is set and the students understand it. Now, with all these criteria, a task can be simple. It could be as simple as matching activities or fill in the blanks or multiple choice. But the question of our original article is concerning a complex task and what makes a complex task complex. So we aren't necessarily looking for simplicity. One thing that Sasayama really wants to emphasize is that we are looking at task complexity and not necessarily task difficulty. The difference between the two? Well, Sasayama implies that when we say task difficulty, we're looking at how hard the learner views the task to be. But with task complexity, we're not looking at it subjectively by the learner's point of view. We're looking specifically at the task itself. Now with this in mind, the article poses two main research questions. The first of the questions is what is the relationship between presumed task complexity, as implied by the design of the task, and the cognitive load, which is measured by A, dual task methodology, B, time estimation, and C, the task difficulty self-assessment made by the students. The second question is, is there a relationship between university-level Japanese L1 learners, who are the subjects for this research, and their English proficiency with the four measures of cognitive load as they are applied to four levels of presumed task complexity? Before we move forward, let's just define certain terms. Firstly, dual task methodology. The aspect of dual task methodology, as it states, involves using two different tasks at the same time. The example used by the article includes participants in the study that were asked to respond to a background color change on a computer screen while performing another task of counterfactual sentences. They found that while they were focusing on the sentences, it was harder to focus on the color change on the screen. This is an example of dual task methodology. Let's move on and continue with the research. The participants of the research study were 53 Japanese L1 university students. Out of those 53 students, 27 were undergraduate students majoring in English, 17 were undergraduate non English majors, and nine were graduate students in applied linguistics. All of these students were living in Japan at the time of the experiment, and they were divided into low, middle, and high proficiency groups on the basis of a proficiency test given earlier. 
These university students were given two tasks following the dual task methodology. The first of the tasks involved oral narration. For those, participants were instructed to tell a story in English based on a six-framed picture set. The second task, just as the example used previously, involved color detection, specifically letter color detection. After completing both of those tasks, the participants were asked to estimate the time they had spent on the task, the time estimation portion. They were also later on giving a self-assessment of perceived task difficulty and mental effort, as well as a background questionnaire and a closed test developed by Brown in 1980. The closed test was to measure English proficiency. It was a fill-in-the-blank test given to the students afterwards. These students, or participants, took part in the experiments one by one in a quiet room. After outliers were removed, all data collected, and everything averaged out, the results were as follows. Firstly, it was stated that the higher proficiency group gave clearer patterns to be able to measure the cognitive load than the low proficiency group, as expected. Sasayama also stated that the study given had provided some evidence in support for the usefulness of dual task methodology with measurement of cognitive load, usually for oral tasks in the field of task-based language teaching. Not only that, but the aspect of time estimation gave forth consistency in findings in relation to dual task methodology and was able to shed some light on the relationship between both. What implications does this have for L2 teaching based on the study? Sasayama posed this question as well as gave an answer as he continued with the article. First of all, it shows the effectiveness of using cognitive load measures when it comes to complex tasks used in classroom settings as well as in experiments. Being able to measure the complex tasks and their complexity by those cognitive load measures was effective. Don't forget, the cognitive load measures included time estimation as well as the dual task methodology. Sasayama then argues that because of this, he says, having open-ended responses from students and their perceptions about tasks helps language teachers understand more about the aspect of complex tasks and their actual complexity. This would not only help teachers in various phases, but specifically for assigning tasks and basing them on whatever curriculum they have at the moment. This also shows, he adds, that the relationship between task design and planning, as well as cognitive complexity, is more complicated than researchers had previously assumed. Because of this, Language teachers should be paying close attention to the design of these complex tasks in fulfilling the needs of their students, as well as the students' reception of these tasks. The purpose of the study was to show the relationship, or at least investigate the relationship, between presumed task complexity, as implied by designs, 
and the actual complexity and difficulty based on self-assessment of the students themselves. Sasayama ends by saying that this study proves the integral and necessary approach to TBLT research based on complexity of tasks.